Good morning, everybody. This is James with 77 Financial Group. You're listening to 15 Minutes of Finance, or in the next 15 minutes, I'm going to get you excited about investing. We got a news episode today, so let's dive right into it. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Happy hump day. Uh, Normally, I started off with a quote or a term of the day, but not today. There are enough terms in the news that I'm going to have to break down. Um, Some of them, even I had to Google because they were complicated enough for me. Um, But with that said, take a paper, a piece of paper out, a pen out, uh, write it down, put it on a napkin, share it with your grandma. I don't care what you do. Today is going to be filled with information that is going to be valuable the rest of the year. Um, Okay, so let's dive into what is happening happening. Global equity markets are mixed after yesterday's broad sell-off, but U.S. futures are pointing to losses as investors await a key report on inflation and consumer prices. The Nasdaq rallied back from a 2.5% loss yesterday, but still closed slightly lower as investors bought the dip. But some of 2020's most popular stocks are in a vicious bear market as their lofty valuations have come into question. Very, very, that's a, that's a good last sentence. A lot of these companies are overvalued. Uh, the Taiwan stock market exchange fell as low as 8.4% earlier today, but cut those losses to a 4.1% drop at the close as concerns about exorbitant margin debt rattled investors. Okay, so that's the first one I got to explain, margin debt. Guys, there's a cash account and a margin account when you invest. And a margin account is where, say you custody at TD Ameritrade. You open up a margin account. And there's specifics that there's rules and specifics, but I'm not going to get into it. But a margin account is just where you say, hey, look, I want to buy equities, but I'm going to take a loan to do it. So TD Ameritrade will front you or somebody else will front you, but usually it's TD Ameritrade. They will front you the money to buy these stocks, right? And so if it goes up a lot, therefore you're able to pay for it with the gains. But if obviously you lose, then you have to come up with the cash to pay TD Ameritrade back. So you're really just buying on a loan and it's called a margin account. And people do that all the time. It's usually really big institutions, um, but people do it People do it in their own accounts too. Like the other, the people I used to work with, the advisors, I mean, they were obviously very, very wealthy so they could take risks that maybe you or I or other people couldn't. Um, anyways, that is a margin account. Sorry. Okay. So let me read that sentence again. Uh, The Taiwan stock exchange fell as low as 8.4% earlier today, but cut those losses to a 4.1% drop at the close as concerns about exorbitant margin debt rattled investors. Margin debt increased 46% so far this year, the highest since 2011, which tells us that investors were taking out loans to buy shares much faster than share prices were increasing. That's a troubling sign. So guys, people do that. They do margin accounts is because they don't want to cough up the money. They would rather take a chance with somebody else's money than invest their own, which is questionable, maybe. Uh, But also at the same time, I look at it as if I'm going to do that, I'm investing TD Ameritrade's money and not mine. So you eventually have to come up with it if you lose it, but you can sort of make good gambles. I don't want to say gambling, right? Sorry. Good bets. That's also not the right term. Uh, Good guesstimations on companies when you do margin calls. Um, but I've seen people get a margin call. It's literally a phone call. They send, they send you an email and then they call you and they're like, Hey, this is the margins department of TD, TD Ameritrade. You know, where's our money? You're $50,000 short in your cash account or in your margin account. You got to pay us back. Okay. Enough of that. Let's get uh, on to oil and gas now here. Uh, Oil and gas prices continue to rise, especially in the U.S., as the Colonial Pipeline still remains mostly shut down due to last Friday's cyber attack. 
The pipeline is expected to be back online this weekend, but gas shortages in the southeast are causing lines at the pump, the likes of which we have not seen since the beginning of the pandemic and all the way back to the 1970s. Okay, so just to give you guys a breakdown of that really quick while I change my pages here um, of my notes. Look, it's like 25% short in North Carolina. And I don't know if North Carolina has a different transportation and delivery system than these other states, but gas is going to be tight probably in the next couple days. And there's nothing we can really do about it. We kind of just have to wait for it to be fixed. They're fixing the pipeline by hand, which is freaky to me, but I think that's the right way to do it because they're making sure like they have to have their own touch on it to make sure that it's done correctly um, versus just having maybe an automated system take care of it. That would be sort of a, it'd be kind of like a Kroger brand of fixing it, which we don't want. Uh, But something to keep in mind, guys, with all of this, the country and the government, they there's this go green initiative, right? And I'm a big proponent of electric vehicles. So I don't want to seem like I'm taking one stance or the other. I just like electric vehicles. That's, that's the only real reason. Um, I don't have a preference to oil and gas versus electric, but they want to go green. And so the fact that this pipeline broke down, they're kind of, I'm not saying they're happy about it, but there's definitely a, um, an agenda. I think that they want pushed. So when these types of things happen, uh, I might be stressed a little bit bigger of a deal than it really is in the news. Just That's just my point of view. There's no investment uh, pickup with that, but that's just my point of view. Okay, let's dive into today's headlines here. So Tesla, speaking of electric vehicles, sold 25,845 made in China vehicles last month, down 27% from 35,478 in March. Um so Tesla made $3 billion in sales in the country during the first quarter, right? And that's like 29% of Tesla's, um, what is it? Global global sales. Global is the word. Uh, that's like up 21% from the whole year of 2020. So in one quarter, they pretty much killed it. Uh, but in April, it, they slowed down because there's a concern over market competition. So they have, in, the, in China alone, there are probably three or four... Just Chinese, so Chinese-made companies, and I won't get into them because one of them is one of my favorite companies in the world, but they're, Tesla's trying to compete with Chinese-made electric vehicle companies, and they have an advantage, I think, um, the Chinese the Chinese companies, because there's nothing better than buying something from your own country, and I believe the Chinese think that way too, and Teslas look cool, they do, but they also fall apart on the street. They also have issues with reloading their battery. The battery is built into the chassis where a lot of these electric vehicles, the battery just pops right out. So basically changing your battery, aka filling your tank, uh, takes five minutes in a in a Chinese-based vehicle. I won't name the company yet because, oh, I'll do it. Okay, NEO. Um, I, I mention them almost every single episode. But in NEO, it takes five minutes to reload the battery. Um, and whereas a Tesla, I don't know. I don't even know how long it takes to charge. I know it ain't five minutes. Uh, but you have to charge it. You can't just replace it like you can with a Neo. Like they have literally battery swap stations is what they call it. Um, okay. Anyways, that those are the headlines for the day. Um, let's see. Was there anything else I wanted to talk about? Oh, actually, I do want to talk about this. The U.S. has agreed to remove Xiaomi, X-I-A-O-M-I. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, from a blacklist that would have barred Americans from investing in the Chinese smartphone maker. So this is a smartphone. Think of Apple. This is like the Apple of China. And uh, the Trump administration didn't want to invest in them. And it's the I won't get into it because we're running out of time here. But it's simply the same thing with TikTok, right? So they didn't want 
these companies that seem to be militant in their operations. I have no idea if that's true. I have no evidence. I'm just explaining why they, these things were banned. But so they banned this, they blacklisted this smartphone maker for being invested in, similar to TikTok, uh, because they think that they were stealing secrets or stealing information on American citizens. So that has now been delisted and you can now invest in it, which means they've jumped up massively. I think their stock is up uh, 6.5%. Excuse me. Um, okay, up to today's content today. So now that was uh, that was the headlines, guys. That was today's headlines. Real exciting stuff. Not really at all. But what we need to talk about is the I word. And I'm just going to read this news for you. And um, just to break down a couple of things. So the consumer price index, that's going to be a measure that we're using. That is a, if you Googled it, it would give you a number similar to like a stock price. And what that shows is just a basket of goods. Cause you can, you can have a CPI for multiple things. Uh, but there is also an overall consumer price index and that shows inflation. So it's a very, very important metric. If CPI goes up, then inflation goes up. So remember that when I'm explaining that and, um, we're going to explain what the fed thinks. I'm just going to read this for you and then we're going to, we're going to talk about it. Okay. Inflation. Inflation is on everyone's mind these days, from consumers to company boardrooms. Prices for everything from gasoline to chicken wings have been on the rise amid the economic recovery and the reopening of businesses around the country. Inflation has been the most mentioned word on earnings calls this quarter, according to Bank of America Research. We are about to get some hard numbers on the inflation rate later this morning from the U.S. Commerce Department. They are expected to show a 3.6% increase for April, which would be the largest year-over-year gain since September of 2011. That increase looks big because it is also, uh, because it is, oh, that increase looks big because it is, but also because consumer prices fell off a cliff last April as we went into lockdown. The CPI, Consumer Price Index, is expected to have jumped 0.2% from March to April, and the core inflation, which includes food and energy, is expected to have increased by 0.3% or 2.3% year over year. Okay, you see how they gave you a bunch of numbers? That's because they they have a number for core inflation, which is food and energy. And so that increased by 0.3% and then 2.3% year over year, okay? So this is the Fed's take on it. The U.S. Fed Reserve does not think this is an issue. Okay, hold on. And the Federal Reserve, guys, the Federal Reserve, they're just think about them as the money people. They create the money. They decide inflation rates. They decide they're they're very, very important because they give investors a sentiment of how the government is investing the money or how the government is viewing outlook. Okay, so they're very, they're very powerful in the words that they say, like their, their word holds weight. Okay, um, The U.S. Federal Reserve does not think this is an issue. In fact, it's probably happy to see some pricing power after years of historically low inflation. Fed Chair Powell says these current prices increased trends are transitory, and we should expect them as part of the economic recovery. The Fed would like to see inflation at 2% or higher, and it's had double... And it's had trouble staying there in the past few years. But consumers are generally focused on this weekly and monthly bills, and they are all getting higher. Wages have not meaningfully increased, and there are still 9.8 million out of work due to the pandemic. Political opponents of the Biden administration are spending plans. Sorry, political opponents of the Biden's administration's spending plans point to rising inflation as a byproduct of the stimulus. Don't expect the administration to back away from those plans, but do expect inflation to be a buzzword in politics and investing for the next few months or years. Okay, so there was a lot there. And the I word, I hate the I word, but the I word's important. I got three minutes here to break this down for you. Look, inflation is not necessarily bad. 
but it is bad when it happens all at once, right? And so I would say anything over a year or two, that's a little disheartening. And so the fact that we're growing by 2.4% year over year is a little discouraging. It's not discouraging me enough to not invest, but it is discouraging enough to say, what are we doing? We are coming out of a economic, uh, it's not a recession, but it was a crash, right? If, if you go back to 2020, uh, February and March, those years oh, or those months, oh my goodness, I must have gotten calls, maybe 75 clients, 75 clients that I don't normally talk to, right? So I, when I call clients and speak with them, I manage their, I manage their money. And sometimes they're like, whatever, James, I trust you. They don't really want to hear from me. Well, I got 75 calls from people who didn't want to hear from me. So they reached out to me like, hey, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. And the people who did not listen to us when we said, hey, look, we're going to ride this out. We think it's kind of just a bump in the road. It's just a little valley. Um, it's, it's a pothole. We're going to be on our way after we hit it. Um, and we'll, we're, we're, we don't think this is, a, this is not a sign of things to come. And we had probably three or four people who did not listen to us. And they're like, no, I want to I be more defensive. Well, we put them in more defensive portfolios. And within the next month or two, they wanted to be back in the market. But the market had already rebounded by that time. It had already pretty much, it wasn't 100% to where it was in January, but it was pretty close. And they wanted to go back into it. And it's just those types of, those types of decisions that make or break an uh, investment portfolio. Like it's the same thing with 08. If you would have just ridden out 08 instead of trying to get out when you were already down and then get back in, you're trying to time the market. And if you listen to any great investor, they will tell you timing the market is a loser's game. And I talk about Warren Buffett all the time, uh, but their sentiment, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, his firm, their sentiment is, again, it's kind of just standstill. And this is one of the best investors in the world. And so I'm going to take that advice and take it to heart. I'm not going to live and die by what he says. I'm going to do my own research. But if he can go through I don't know what, 40 or 50 years of inflation cycles, of world economic crashes, of uh, world wars. Uh, he can just go through all of these different life events and still have a positive outlook um, that I can too. And I'm going to do my own research and stay on top of this and let you guys know what I think. But we need to be paying attention to the inflation over time. The fact that it happened all at once in these last couple years or these last couple months is a little frustrating and a little scary, but it's nothing to jump out of the boat for. So stay the course, stick with it. Um, and yeah, guys, that's it for today. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. As always, invest early, invest often. Have a great day.